0: Friends, I'm really honoured to be here. I still haven't quite caught up with the fact that I'm standing in front of you this morning. Um, Thank you for having me. Um, I'm really looking forward to sharing what I've learned um, in regards to working and resting, um, and I hope it blesses you as much as it has blessed me. Um, I have to start with a caveat. By no means have I perfected work and rest. Preparing this talk has shown me that very clearly just in case I wasn't already aware of it. Um, Even just yesterday, I was overwhelmed by many urgent tasks and dealing with waves of anxiety. I needed this talk as much as anyone. Um, It was so helpful to be reminded that this is a spiritual battle, first and foremost, and that even though we stumble along the journey, there is always abundant grace from God through Jesus. Um, I look forward to you joining me on this journey and, um, yeah, joining me in seeking to make best use of the time. If you don't have a pen and need one, just let Rebs know we've got more. So, who among us knows what it feels like to have a million things to do but just want to stop? To feel overwhelmed? Let me open a little window into the average workaday week mind of CJ Lick. (laughs) Here's the scene I'm in bed, my alarm's just gone off, it's dark. Oh my goodness. How is it morning already? (laughs) Oh man, I'm so tired. Maybe I could sleep for another half an hour this morning? No, 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 that would mean saying no to time with the Lord. Come on, get up. Oh, why did I go on Instagram last night? I never learn. Half an hour of sleep, lost. All right, must get up, spend time with the Lord. Come on, get up. Oh man, did I ever reply to that swap request for Sunday? Oh, oh, no, that's right. I was waiting to hear about the other swap and I haven't heard back, so maybe I should follow up. Wait, what day is it? Does Maddie know I'm not going to be home for dinner? (laughs) Oh, and I need to reply to Riley and finish the talk and follow up my friend. Oh, and listen to this Sunday's playlist and empty the dishwasher and update my budget and call the family and water the garden. Oh, Lord, please help me. (laughs) How many of us flip between trying to do all the things while also trying to find the rest we desperately need? How many of us are stressed, anxious, snappy, and unable to settle even when we have the opportunity to rest? How many of us are frequently overwhelmed by our to-do list and questioning the value of what we're spending our lives doing? I know those feelings. All of us crave meaningful work and peace-filled rest. We were designed for it. None of us wants to get to the end of our life, look back, and realize we wasted the time. We may applaud the idea of getting to heaven tired, but how do we live life to the full without burning out? How do we not waste life? Let's dive into God's word and see what he has to say. I promise it's good news. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17, we are told, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. My hope this morning is that we will come away from this talk able to make the best use of the time the Lord has given us, firstly by resting in Jesus, and secondly by following his example. So let's unpack that now in the two points. Point number one, rest in Jesus' perfect rest. And point number two, follow Jesus' example of work and rest. So point number one, Rest in Jesus' perfect work and rest. God calls us to look carefully at and apply wisdom to the way that we walk, how we live our lives and steward the time. And we gain true wisdom when we understand what the will of the Lord is. So what is the will of God if we're our lives? In John chapter 6, verse 40, Jesus tells us, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him ...should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. And Jesus himself calls us in Matthew eleven twenty-eight: 28... ...come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden... ...and I will give you rest. Above all other things, we're called to rest... ...in Jesus' own perfect work of saving us. So just to clarify, what was Jesus' perfect work of rest? Jesus perfectly loved God and neighbour and enemies... He obeyed God in doing and not doing. He trusted and submitted to God rather than family, religious authority, friends, society or Satan. Even at breaking point in the Garden of Gethsemane, Adam and Eve were deceived and derailed by Satan in their garden. Jesus was not. He resisted temptation his whole life. He rested with his father in the scriptures and prayer. He perfectly stewarded his limited time and resources. And the perfection of his work and rest were gloriously proved when he rose triumphant from death. That is the precious hope of all who call on his name. So practically, how do we rest in the perfect work and rest of Jesus? Jesus himself answers this, and these passages may feel very familiar to us, but I invite you to meditate on them in your own time. He calls us to come to him with all of our life in full surrender and to sit at his feet, allowing him to serve us before we try to serve him. In Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, Jesus says, "'Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light.' And in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, the passage runs. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. That double use of her name, Martha, Martha, is the deep tenderness and care of Jesus speaking. He wanted her to have the same good thing as Mary had discovered, and he wants us to swap our anxiety and trouble for that as well. The reality, though, is that we battle our old self every day. First thing every morning, we desperately need to remind our hearts to put full faith in Jesus' perfect and finished work, work we could never have done ourselves. We must come to him and sit at his feet. It takes a deliberate choice and a deliberate allocation of time. As Jesus tells us in John chapter 15, verse 5, "'Apart from me you can do nothing.'" God's given us a range of powerful ways to come to Him and sit at His feet, and they are true gifts to us. These are the top four I'm going to recommend today. The first two are reading the Bible, which is listening to God, and praying, which is talking to God. Carolyn Mahaney says in her book Shopping for Time When we seek God through His word and prayer, we glean wisdom for walking carefully, we obtain guidance for daily decisions. We find peace in the midst of life's whirlwind. We are infused with strength to complete our tasks. The second two ways of coming to Jesus are enjoying regular time off each week, which the Bible calls a Sabbath, and singing and discussing the truths of the gospel, alone and with one another. If you are like me, your reaction is probably, but I don't have time. (laughs) Yet who of you has found themselves like me, Seeking rest by mindlessly scrolling social media, or trying to achieve goals, or longingly dreaming of the perfect holiday, or investing time in some other fruitless pursuit that never delivers satisfaction. God designed us, and he knows us. He calls us not because he needs us, but in order to bless us. Do you trust him? Resting in Jesus' work is the most important investment of our time. If we don't make this the most non-negotiable thing in each day, then no attempt to find rest or to find meaning in our work will succeed. When we aren't resting in Jesus' perfect work, we unconsciously start seeking that spiritual rest or peace with God through our physical work and rest, and that is impossible. We can never earn God's favour or pleasure. This is why he's given it to us as a gift. The greatest work of all, victory over our sin and death, has been achieved for us by Jesus. He has restored us into relationship with him, and we are now part of God's own family. This is the best news ever. And if nothing in our lives goes right, or how we think right should look, this reality is all we need for true joy and peace. So making the best use of our time means that we need to stop, look at what paths we're walking, and apply our knowledge of God's will to how we live. And his first priority for us is that we truly rest in the knowledge that Jesus' perfect work was and is sufficient on our behalf. So come to him and sit at his feet, choose the good portion. However, Jesus wasn't called to spend his entire life in communion with God off in a desolate place, and neither are we. God had other good works for Jesus to walk in, and he does for us as well. God tells us, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Best of all, God's given us the perfect example of someone who worked heartily for God in all of his life, and he never burned out. His name is Jesus. And this leads us to point two, making the best, type, best use of the time means that we must follow Jesus' example in his work and rest. For example of work and rest. We must follow Jesus' example of work and rest. God calls us to work that is inspired, guided, empowered and protected by God as we come to him to rest at his feet. Paul wrote to the Ephesians and us, exhorting them to Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. He reminded them that they had been made new creations and given new gifts, given to build up the body into Christ and full maturity, and that meant that they needed to put their old life and ways behind them. No longer could they walk in darkness as the lost world does. He tells them in chapter 4, verse 22 Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And, to be, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. He summarizes in chapter 5 verse 1, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We are called to imitate God and to love sacrificially like Christ. So, if Jesus is our example, what did his life actually look like? Firstly, he did only the work that his father had called him to. He did not heal everyone, preach to everyone, or cast demons out of everyone. He was not always available to everyone, and he didn't act in other people's time frames. He travelled and prayed and slept and washed feet. He ate. He cared for his family and his disciples or household. He provided for his mother. He feasted and fasted, rejoiced and wept, worked and rested. All these ordinary things were also part of what God called him to. In other words, he did all the things God called him to, which included ordinary or hidden things. God isn't calling us to repeat Jesus' exact work. He's already saved the world. But just as he did with Jesus, God calls each of us to specific good works, including rest, that he has created us to walk in. And he provides us exactly the right amount of time and resources to do so successfully. So how do we identify what work he's calling us to as individuals? Starting with the big picture, humankind has been given two work commissions by God. The first to Adam and Eve, who God told in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, "Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth." The second commission was given by Jesus to his disciples and us just before he ascended into heaven. He says in Matthew 28, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me." Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The second commission did not replace the first, but it reshaped its priorities and focus. Put these together, and we are called into Jesus' work building a heavenly kingdom, even as we take dominion over the world around us in our physical living we're called to going proclaiming baptizing discipling and teaching joining with him on his mission as well as building maintaining creating ordering improving beautifying all of these things being ways of imitating our creator god ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says be imitators of god as beloved children So our first step in identifying our work is understanding that God's overarching call on our lives is to mission, joining with God in his work of saving the lost, and imitation, displaying a reflection of God in the world. Note that this doesn't make a missionary's work more valuable than changing a nappy, filling spreadsheets or cooking a meal. Understanding these conditions properly actually means that all aspects of life can be harnessed to fulfil one or both of the overall goals God's given us, of A, furthering the kingdom of God, and B, representing him faithfully in all we do, whether it's seen and valued by others or not. It's also important to note that whether we're serving soup to the homeless, changing yet another nappy, or doing any of the zillion other things God may call us to, if we are doing these things in a Christ-like manner, so surrendered to God's will, joyful, honest, creative, perseverant, etc., and because we trust that this is the work God has given us and therefore it has value, then all of these forms of work are equally glorious and meaningful in the sight of God. Paul says to the Corinthians, Therefore, in light of the victory of Jesus over sin and death, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labour is not in vain. How encouraging to know that if we're doing the work the Lord's calling us to, in his strength and wisdom, then it will not be in vain, no matter how insignificant it may feel. Okay, so first step, mission and imitation. The second step in identifying our work is to remember that God is sovereign This means he has created and placed each of us very specifically exactly where we're at with our particular roles, relationships, gifts, desires and dreams in this current time and place. As Paul says to the Ephesians in chapter 2 verse 10 For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I'm going to ask you a question, and I'll give you half a minute to think about it in your head. I want you to look down at where you stand in your life right now and ask yourself, what are the top four to five roles that God has given me right now? What are the top four to five roles that God has given you right now? There are bullet points in the notes if you want to use those to jot those down. I'm talking big picture roles here, not paid employment roles. So woman, Christian, church member, wife, mother, sister, daughter, employee. All right, now I'll get you to turn to somebody next to you and discuss with them how you think, biblically speaking... These roles should be ordered in order of priority. So the most important at the top. (laughs) All right. All right, wrapping up discussion. Okay, so hopefully you came up with four to five and not ten because that's a little bit too overwhelming. Um, Friends, this identification of your roles is a huge step forward in identifying your work. God has called you to these roles more specifically than to any job description of our day and age. So whether or not we're paid or recognised for our work matters far less than whether that work is in line with these roles that God has given you. We know that we are God's workmanship. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works and we know that all our strengths and weaknesses find their perfect place in his plan. Having identified your roles and ordered them, roughly, It's probably something you'll need to think about a bit more. The next step is to turn to scripture and see what goals God has given us for these roles. What is his vision for them? God helpfully follows up the command to the Ephesians to make best use of the time by addressing wives, husbands, children, workers and all Christians through chapters 5 and 6. There are many explicit and implicit commands and principles throughout scripture that help us to discern the will of the Lord in relation to the roles that he's given us. For example, my list looks something like this. Christian, woman, housemate daughter, employee. As a Christian, I know my most important goals are to rest in God and become more like him and to obey his commission to go, proclaim, baptise, disciple, and to use my gifts to build the church. As a woman, I'm called to orient my priorities so my work blesses my household, whether I'm single or married. As a housemate and daughter, I'm called to the nitty-gritty one-anothers of sharing life and responsibilities with my household, internally and externally on mission, and with my family, honouring and respecting my parents and caring for my family members. As an employee, I'm called to work hard as to God and not man, to submit to my masters, trusting God, to be respectful but also a light, my speech seasoned with the gospel and to trust that my work has meaning in God's economy, even when it makes no sense or appears to have no value in the eyes of the world. Right, so now you have the big picture of commissions in mind, you have a list of your primary roles, and you're starting to think of the overall scriptural goals that were given for these roles. At this point, I recommend you set aside time later, I promise it's worth the investment, to workshop your roles and what they mean for how you allocate your time. I highly, highly recommend reading C.J. Mahaney's book, Biblical Productivity, which is a free ebook he's happy to be circulated among Christians. It has profoundly shaped my understanding of practically how to manage work and rest. And this book is the backbone of this talk. It guides you through getting this knowledge of your roles into your day to day life. It is simple, practical, and short. You could probably read it this weekend. Investing time into thinking through your roles and schedule significantly helps you to know your true time and energy limits, how you are actually spending the time, and what needs to change in order to do the work and rest God's put in front of you to walk in. CJ Mahaney says in this book, during each day, the most urgent requests will compete with and distract from the most important goals and priorities of our lives. Each day, the number of requests we receive normally outnumbers the time allotted for the day. My experience confirms that if I fail to attack my week with theologically informed planning, my week attacks me with an onslaught of the urgent. (laughs) And I end up devoting more time to the urgent than the important, and at the end of the week, there is a low-grade guilt and dissatisfaction in my soul because I've neglected to do the truly important stuff. If you read the book... Did I mention that it's changed my life? You'll see that CJ Mahaney recommends drafting yourself a weekly schedule. At the end of this talk, I'll be handing out examples of a weekly schedule with a blank version at the back in case you want to have a go. I recommend you do. Okay, some things to think about as you consider your roles. Remember that God calls us to sleep, physical rest, feasting, retreats, etc. These are gifts that were given to Jesus and they're given to us as well so schedule them in. Jesus couldn't do everything and neither can we. We often have to choose between multiple good options and saying yes to something always means you're saying no to something else. Do you know what you're saying no to when you say yes to something? When you say yes to something and it means you're saying no to yourself, your time with God, your sleep, your nourishment and exercise, are you subconsciously believing that these things are less important for you than for other people? Consider that if your yes consistently eats into your spiritual and physical nourishment, you are going against God's commands to rest in him and to care for the body he's given you. Or when you say yes, are you saying no to priorities God's given you? We all need to stop, reassess and ask why we're saying yes or no. Are our choices in line with the roles and priorities God's given us? Are we working in full surrender to his wisdom and care for us? This journey is meant to be done done in community. (laughs) Not meant to be done alone. (laughs) Don't think that you need to figure it all out yourself or that this only impacts you. One of the best gifts I've discovered on my journey is the gift of community. I highly, highly recommend that you chat with your husband or a trusted family member, housemate, mentor, friend, someone who knows you, who knows your life. Ask for their perspective on your life and priorities. We often have huge blind spots, I certainly do, and we need others to help us see them. Or if you know someone who stewards their time wisely, that's not an or, and if you know someone who stewards their time wisely, consider asking them if they'd mentor you in this for a period of time, or maybe ask if they'd catch up for a coffee. I have benefited so much from regularly seeking my housemates' counsel and other people too, And I try to seek their perspective, especially when I'm thinking about adding to my commitments. In the end, God is your provider, not you. And he gives you only one day at a time to live. I recommend you ask yourself, how is it wise for me to make best use of today? It is tempting to fall into the trap of comparing our work and rest to other people's and our past selves and to an ideal in our head and then become very discouraged. But look to God. He calls us to serve him, and he is the one who designed you with strengths, weaknesses, times of capacity and times of great limitation, and who has orchestrated the exact circumstances of your life. He has given you today, he has planned it, and he is supplying you the grace to take the steps he's calling you to. It doesn't matter what other people are doing, what you once did, or what you wish you could do, Trust God that the boundary lines have fallen for you in pleasant places in Christ and that you can do all things through through Christ who strengthens you. Now you may be sitting there thinking, my life is so crazy busy right now and I am feeling so stretched and overwhelmed but as far as I can tell, I'm not even fulfilling the roles God's given me, let alone anything else. Help. This is a tough situation. I relate. Though I've been focusing on how Jesus never burned out and also has time to rest and so on, we must remember that he was leaning on the Lord at all times. And there were periods of his life that, if we look at what he was actually doing, preaching for days straight, feeding thousands, praying all night, teaching all the next day, we realise that what he did was seriously impossible without the powerful grace of God at work in his life. And we are called to walk similarly by faith. So two thoughts come out of this. Firstly, Jesus was finding his strength in God, so if we're feeling stretched and overwhelmed, it's worth asking if we're resting properly in Jesus. Are we bringing all our burdens and cares to him and trusting him to look after everything? Or do we think we still have a vital part to play in order for it all to work out? Secondly, when God leads us into testing circumstances and it's clear there's nothing we can drop from our schedules, he also gives powerful grace to obey. But having said that, as we're told in Ephesians 5, look carefully at how you walk. It's worth pausing to see whether there actually are certain things that would be okay in this season to no longer do, or to pause, or maybe you need to ask for help. This requires wisdom, so read the word, pray, and seek counsel from people you trust. Others of you may be sitting there thinking, So I get that God's given me commissions and roles that encompass all of life, but what about the desires and gifts God's given me that I'm not currently using? What if I would like a different kind of job? Or how do I discern whether I should be working part-time or concentrating on being a full-time mum? I would encourage you, if your desires are not in opposition to the roles and priorities that God's given you, then bring them before the Lord in open-handed surrender. Ask him to lead you. Start seeking biblically informed counsel. Start knocking on doors and ask God to show you if that's not the way he wants you to walk, at least at this time in your life. You are in a dynamic relationship with your creator and he wants to have that conversation with you. He's deliberately not left a neon sign in the Bible telling us exactly what we should do under certain circumstances. He's given us principles and then told us to look for his wisdom by coming to him and understand his will and leading through his word his people, and the Holy Spirit. But of course, remember that the heart that is resting in him and seeking his glory is willing for him to say, no, not yet, and trusts that his answer is always for our good. Romans 8.28. So to make best use of the time, we need to follow Jesus' example of walking in the good works God's prepared for us, stewarding our time and resources according to the wisdom that he provides So in conclusion, if we come to Jesus, trusting that his heart towards us is gentle and lowly and that his workload for us is lighter than any other load, and as we sit at Jesus' feet, trusting his sufficiency and prioritising his service of us over our service of him, we can find true rest and so walk wisely, making the best use of the time in the work and rest that God has defined and prepared for all of our lives. This is done for him, yet will reap lasting benefits for us in the kingdom of God. Remember, our labour in the Lord will not be in vain. This is a journey that we will never perfect, but our joy is knowing that Jesus' unmatchable work record clothes us and he will always intercede for us with love. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15-17, to 17, we are told, Look carefully then at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. My hope is that we will be able to make the best use of the time the Lord has given us, firstly by resting in Jesus, and secondly by following his example in working and resting according to God's will and direction. May we each know the joy and peace of walking in the works God's prepared for us, And may God be glorified in heaven and earth as we do. I'm going to open up for any burning questions. I probably won't be able to apply this to your life because I don't know the ins and outs of your specific roles. But in principle, go for it. (laughs) You don't have to ask a question, by the way. I'm very happy to not have to answer any questions I'd (laughs) live. (laughs) <laughs> By the way, one of the points in this talk is because of a question that Nikki asked in the middle of the week, so, you know, hopefully I s- escaped one question. Okay, repeating the question for the recording. Um, so, how do you know whether it's a season and wisdom to just push through this? Yep. In versus like, doing this in my Yep. How do you discern whether it's a season to push on or whether you, yeah, discerning that you're actually trying to do it in your own strength. Um, I think taking the time, firstly, to stop and reassess what your roles are and be praying about it, seeking the Lord is such an important part of the journey because he has to give you the wisdom. Um, So, yeah, taking the time to think about, okay, what are my roles? What is God calling me to and go through and figure out, and there are things that I'm saying yes to, that I actually, I put that on myself. Um, And personally for me, in walking this, it's crucial to bring other people in. Um, It's so important, and this is why it's been so helpful, that my housemates patiently will listen to me and speak into my life. I'll be like, this is the situation, these are the things I feel like I should be doing, or that I think I should be doing, but this is my... Struggle right now, like speak to me. Like, are you observing anything in my life that, um, yeah, I've taken on myself, or yeah. So I think the discerning comes back to praying about it. Really coming open-handed with your schedule, not assuming that you should be doing any of those things, but yeah, asking the Lord, and then bringing other people into that conversation and seeing what their feedback is. Um, and then it's messy, but it sort of comes back to the spirit as well of like what conviction you have in your heart as you go through that process. Um, and sometimes it's not clear. Sometimes it's a matter of trial and error to some degree. Um, and there are times when, sort of similarly, I've taken on stuff and then almost immediately known. That was the wrong decision. And it's a learning process. There's grace. God gives you grace. There are times when I've done that and then God's given me grace to, to follow through. Um and it's been uncomfortable and stretching, but God's given the grace for it. Other times He's given me the grace to humbly come back and say, I'm so sorry, but I can't actually do that thing. Um and it's a it's a journey of learning to as much as anything, identify the Lord's voice in your life and what he is actually calling you to. Does that answer the question? Yes, yes, especially as I've learned to humble myself and ask for other people's input. That has been very helpful. <laughs> yeah, it does get easier. Um. How do you discern between biblical rest and laziness? Yeah, slothfulness, laziness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a great word, guys. Look it up if you don't know. Um, That is a tricky question. Again, it kind of comes back to bringing it before the Lord, seeking counsel, and the Holy Spirit conviction. I have not figured that one out properly yet. I frequently feel guilty about rest when it's actually legitimate. Um, and it, it takes kind of preaching the gospel to myself and reminding myself, no, rest is valuable and God has told me to rest and I actually need to do this in order to do all the other things. And um, But I think often for myself, the guilt that I feel about rest is frequently attached to... Guilt for not actually doing the work that I know that I should have done. So, but when I'm walking in the will of the Lord and doing the work He's calling me to and prioritizing those things, then I feel a lot more peace about resting. So, that's a factor. Um, and I guess the other blurry line is sometimes the rest is perfectly fine, but you might be feeling uncomfortable about what you're doing in that rest. So, having a break is fine but is it beneficial it's permissible but is it beneficial for you to be scrolling social media or reading a really junky book or watching a really junky show you know like like there are the ways that we can rest um sometimes the holy spirit is pricking our conscience being like this is probably not the best way to do this but um yeah so it's it's complex i think it's it's hard but i think it it basically comes back to your relationship with god like having an honest conversation with him, being vulnerable and opening yourself up to the input of other people, which sometimes has been just a relief for me. Like I felt uncomfortable about is this okay? And then they're just like, yes, for this, this and this reason. I'm like, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, thanks. Um, Yeah. And then the conviction of the spirit, I think. So there's no neon sign. There's no like, "This, this fits every situation. Yeah. Good question. Any others? Quickly? We've got two minutes. <laughs> um, you're welcome to grab me afterwards and just grab me and talk to me then. If you're anything like me, it takes about, well, me, usually a few days to come up with a question. So um, please grab me next week or text me during the week or whatever you need to do, that's totally fine. Um, as you can tell, I may not have the answer, but I'll give it a go. Our Heavenly Father, I just thank you for bringing us here today. Um, Lord, thank you for speaking us, speaking to us through your word and that you, um, you do speak to us about work and rest. And Lord, I just pray for us all as we seek to make best use of the time as you call us to, Lord, would you reveal your will and your wisdom to us so that we can... Narrow our lives down to what it is you're actually calling us to, Lord, so that we can say no to the other things so that we can feel peace about what we are actually doing and um, hope and excitement about the fact that you use us in your mission and our work has meaning even though we don't see it at this point in time. And so, Lord, I just pray for these ladies. I pray that as they process the talk that your word would just be... um, a boon and a salve to their souls lord that they would feel fresh peace and joy um in the knowledge that their work has has worth um and that you have a particular plan um and a path for them to walk in so lord as they seek that and seek to discern that i just pray that you would meet them powerfully and i pray all these things in jesus name amen Mm